Let me give you an introduction before we get to this what and why. And that is that we have a vision as a church. And our vision is simply this. You would have seen it on the wall as you walked in past the reception today. And it's this, to reveal the glory of God to the Southwest and beyond. We believe God's called us to be not just a local church in the city of Exeter, but he's called us to be a regional hub, a regional blessing, a regional apostolic center to help and work alongside other churches to see the glory of God come. And we are giving ourselves to that. I love Ephesians 3.21 that says these words. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work within us. Whose power? His. It's really important that we remember that. It doesn't matter how large we are as a congregation. It doesn't matter how much resources we have. It doesn't matter how much talent we have. It's his power at work in us. That's so important to remember. That's keep, that keeps us on our face and it keeps us on our knees postured before the Lord. It's his power, not ours. And that power is at work within us. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, from the very youngest to the very oldest. And I believe that the Lord is stirring up a new season in his church right now. There have been quite a lot of prophetic soundings around a shift of season. I'm part of a wider group of leaders from across the country and in fact some other parts of the world. And there has been this stirring. We were down in London this week, a couple of days filming together on some stuff that we believe God is saying. And there is a real sense that something is shifting and changing in the spiritual realm over this nation. That there's a new season that we're in. That word from Fran was so apposite that there's a new season we're stepping into. And it's about God's power and work within us. It's not that we wake up and say, okay, we're going to try a bit harder this week. It's God's power. There have been times throughout history called awakenings where the same things seem to happen, but people's response, their hearts are warmer. Their hearts are more open. And I believe that we're in one of those seasons where God is preparing his people, all ages, all generations, to be a part of that awakening. But we have that vision and we have some values. Our values are an expression of the guidelines to how we operate and how we live within the vision. And we summarize these in three very simple phrases. The first is to live courageously. Not just to live, but to live with boldness and confidence that there are adventures God has for us and to do so with great courage. That we love extravagantly not miserly, not just give enough, but we live and love with an extravagance that pours out to others. Freely you have received, freely give. And that we thrive. I don't mean we pretend that we're thriving. I mean that we thrive authentically, that there's a reality around us, that we would rather you in the church say, I'm going through a difficult time and I'm struggling, and to partner with you through that time, to walk with you through that time, to lead you into a place where God brings life. And it may be a season of the soul that you go through, but our heart is to see you thrive authentically in your life. 
No plastic plants or plastic flowers around here. It has to be life-filled and genuine. So that's our vision. That's our values. That's not the purpose of this talk today. The purpose is to look at what we do and why we do it. And last week, we looked at the first of these descriptions. The first one is that we facilitate encounters. This is what we looked at. We gather in groups, both large and small. You remember, you need both. They're two sides of a coin. You will not get everything you need simply by attending large gatherings like this. And you will not get everything you need just by attending small groups in people's homes. We need both. We need large-scale vision and celebration and resource. And we need local small groups where the relationships go deeper and more intimate with each other. So we gather in groups, both large and small, and we encourage everybody to be part of both of those things. To worship and encounter the presence of God, His Word, and His people. We hunger for more of the Lord, longing for deeper intimacy and a greater weight of his glory. You remember the significance of this word? We expect. We expect miracles. Not because we deserve it, but because he is able. Because it's his power working within us. We expect miracles, healing, signs and wonders, deliverance, restoration and salvation whenever we meet. We gather to be the hands and feet of Jesus to others. I'm not going to re-go over that ground. You can catch up on last week's talk online if you missed it. Instead, I'm going to go on to the second one of what we do and why we do it. And that is, we release disciple makers. We release not disciples, disciple makers. Makers. That is you and I, not just called to be disciples, but we're called to be disciple makers. The reality is that everything of the generosity of God that he pours so freely and so profoundly and so powerfully in our life is both a cause for celebration. I thank you, God, that you love me with a love that's unmeasurable. I thank you, God, that you give me grace that doesn't give me what I deserve. I thank you, God, that you bless me with provision. I thank you, God, and we can list through a myriad of ways that the Lord blesses us. And on one hand, we give thanks to him. But on the other hand, every one of those things he deposits in our life is to be passed on. Not to be kept. It's to be passed on. So when you generously receive from the Lord, the Spirit of God calls you to release that generously to others. So being a disciple is not the goal. Being someone who is growing in your faith is not the objective. The objective is to be someone who is growing in your faith and helping other people to grow in their faith, to be disciple makers. But the reality is that the Western church, of which we're part, and of which we have perpetuated some of this stuff ourselves, and there's a recalibration taking place over much of the church in the West. People are at different stages of this journey, but the Spirit of the Lord is speaking, and I want you to hear Him speak to you today. The Western church has largely professionalized the role of disciple-making. 
we've had some people who have been like the super disciples. And the super disciples are the ones who follow up people's desire to grow with Jesus. Some of those might be team employed on staff in a church. Others might be leaders of ministries and groups. But it's like we have a specialist number of people who are really capable and able to make disciples of others. And as a result of that paradigm, people sit in rows, like you're doing this morning. You listen to teaching. You hope that one day, if you absorb enough of this, that maybe, just maybe, you could be also good enough or expertised enough or knowledgeable enough to be someone who can help make disciples of others as well. That's a faulty paradigm. Let me explain why. Because in my experience over the years, it doesn't matter how many years people have been sat in rows, listening to teaching, attending church, faithfully involved in ministries, my experience suggests that most people still assume that they haven't quite got to the place where they're ready. And that describes much of the Western church. Filled with lovely people who love God, who are trying their best to follow Jesus, but they just don't think they have what it takes to lead other people into discipleship. And I believe that must break the heart of God. And this is an empowering message of something that I believe is very important and significant for us as a church. It flows out of some of the other things we've been teaching recently. Let me show you two illustrations. This first illustration, these are produced by a man called Peter Scazzaro, and not that one. We've got the next one. It's our computer. There you are. Um, th this um, picture describes some of that Western church that I've just tried to articulate to you. And that is that we have lar the largest number of people attend gatherings. That's where the largest activity takes place. And so we attract lots of people into those gatherings. And that's the largest part of the funnel. But then the next part of people who just don't just you know, come and join this, but they connect with others. They make some relationships. They form some of those relationships. That there are less people in that category, but it's still quite a sizable group. And then there's an even smaller number of people who serve, who get involved in activities and ministries and give their time and sacrificially to help serve the kingdom of God. And then there's an even smaller number of people who go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And that is, this is the professionalization of the church. That small number of people. But I'm going to show you a second illustration. And this second illustration shows you how Jesus did it. I want you to notice the difference. I need to put 50p in the computer. Jesus started out not with a large crowd. There were crowds that followed Jesus, but he invested himself into small numbers. 
there were those that were really close and intimate with him. And then he had the 12 disciples that he coached, that they followed him around and they picked up the things he was saying and doing. And then those 12, they multiplied. They basically, what they were receiving, they were passing on. That generosity of grace, they were now passing on to others. That understanding of the ways of God, they were now passing on to others. And the 12 multiplied, and then those multiplied. And we end up in a place where there are now churches proclaiming the good news of this servant king, Jesus, around the globe. It's nothing short of an absolute miracle how Jesus invested in a small number of people would do that. But you see what happens is that the largest part of this is the go. It's not the attend, it's the go. And we believe that God has postured and positioned us as a church that the largest part of our activity is the going. It's the disciple making. It's you and I, not professional people. I'm not professional but the thing is, you see, what, we, what do we attribute as the requirements for someone to have this ability? And of course, this is from the mandate we read in Matthew 28 of Jesus saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. He's talking to his followers when he said that, and you and I are his followers. But what does it take? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul writing this to the church in Corinth. He says these words, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Some other translations will change that word example and they will use the word imitate. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I think that's part of the problem as to why people say I can't be a disciple maker because we're aware of our weakness, we're aware of our frailties, we're aware of those areas in our life that are still, God is wrestling through with us and he is working on. And we say, when I get those issues sorted, then I can encourage other people to imitate me. But I don't want them to imitate my weakness. I don't want them to imitate my sin struggles. And we say, well, in that case, I cannot make disciples. But let's look at this a bit further. Because the apostle Paul didn't say, imitate me. What did he say? He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. We're not asking everybody to become like every part of our lives, but we are inviting people to become like those parts of our life where we're imitating Jesus. You know, we're not asking people, I don't expect people who follow me to shave their heads and pick up a slight Welsh accent. You know, that would just be ridiculous. That's a cult. That's what a cult does. We're not a cult. We're not asking people to become like those they're following. We're inviting people to imitate Christ. We're just like middlemen and women that help people do that. So on my life, how, what is it that qualifies me and what is it that qualifies you to be an imitator of Christ, inviting other people to imitate those qualities as well? Well, as it said in that, uh, in that version that was on the, on the screen, follow me. In order to follow, you have to move. You have to walk. 
There's progress, there's progression, there are footsteps. And probably the best description of discipleship I can give you is that if you could take your two shoes off and I gave you a marker pen and I asked you to write on the bottom of your left foot here, listen, understand, perceive, grasp, hold, have revelation, hear what God is saying. And on the right foot, to write the word obey. And that isn't just hear what he's saying. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. But we're also called to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And some of you have been hopping up and down on the spot hearing God for years. (laughs) You can hear everything he's saying. You've got prophetic instinct. You've got understanding. You read the scriptures beautifully, but you're going nowhere. And you're going nowhere because you cannot operate as a disciple on one foot. To follow, you have to hear and obey. Hear and obey. And that's how we follow Jesus. So when I invite people to follow me as I follow Christ, I'm not saying pick up all those parts of my life that are not right, all those struggles of my life, I'll be honest about those and share about the journey of those things because sometimes our weaknesses are a great encouragement to other people, aren't they? Sometimes it's in our brokenness that God brings the greatest sense of life. Sometimes it's our wrestles, the fact that we struggle to forgive someone that's had something, uh, done something against us, and we share that, that it's a wrestle. We don't pretend that it's been easy. We talk about the difficulties, but we hear, hear from God, a Welsh person can't say that properly, we hear and we obey. So I hear from God that he was saying, I need to forgive that person. I need to let them go. I need to release the offense in my life. I hear it. But I'm not going to hop on that news for the next 20 years. I'm going to obey it. And I'm going to release them and I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to let the offense go. And then we have a footstep to say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then what's the next thing that we're hearing? What's the next thing that we're obeying? And if we, as the people of God, hear and obey We are walking in discipleship and we can say to others around us, hey, follow my example as I follow Christ. You see, it wasn't about being perfect. Jesus is the only perfect one in this equation. He is the only one that is worth following. I will fail and make mistakes and let you down and create disappointments. I'm not the perfect one in the equation The leadership of this church, they're wonderful people, but they're not the perfect ones in the equation. Our elders are beautiful and wonderful and godly and gracious, but they're not the perfect ones in this equation. Jesus is the only perfect one in this equation. He's the only one worth following. But all together, we're on this journey. We hear, we obey. We hear, we obey. And if we can live that life, we can see God do amazing things among us. I believe the enemy's condemnation on so many of the saints of God is so significant that it's, I put in a blog recently that much of the Western church has become like a seedless grape. 
that it tastes sweet, it looks the part, it even does away with that inconvenience of the crunchy seed in the middle. But it has no ability to reproduce itself. If the only growth in this church comes from inviting strangers through social media to come and join our Alpha course, it's not. It's not what God's called us to be. Oh, we'll, we'll reach out to people who have no relational connections here in the church. But we're called to pass on what's been given to us, to share. And the enemy tries to make us feel too bad. We can't do that. Have you seen the mess in my life? Have you seen the struggles in our marriage? Have you seen the challenges I'm facing in those secret areas of my life? Have you, have you seen that? I can't do that. And the enemy takes the seed of growth out of your life. And other people think you taste sweet and you're lovely, but God has called you to reproduce. He's called us all to reproduce. So even if you've been a follower of Jesus one week, welcome as a disciple maker. The other bits are going to be really quick. The next thing of what we do and why, it's going to be quick because we've just spent seven weeks looking at this. And that is that we, wow, this computer's playing up today, isn't it? It'll catch up at some point. We encourage the five-fold ministry graces by helping one another discern the primary grace gifts in our lives and enabling everyone to grow in both the application of these in partnership with the other grace gifts. Everyone is encouraged to love, serve, and extend God's kingdom through the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the shepherd, and the teaching graces. As I said, I'm not going to repeat what we've spent seven weeks looking at. If you are new here today and you're intrigued by this, I really encourage you to go on our YouTube page or our website or our social media and catch up on seven weeks' teaching of the title was Equip the Saints. Basically, in summary, we believe that everyone in the church has got a measure of these graces in their life. And some of them are primary graces. And God has called us to nurture and grow and flourish those graces in one another so that the body of Christ may be built up to maturity. And I want to encourage you, watch and listen to the seven-week teaching series if you haven't done so. It will help unpack a new paradigm understanding of how the body of Christ is called to function. Secondly, take the APES test. You can find that by going to that top URL, rediscoverchurch.com forward slash APEST. It costs £10. We don't, we don't make anything from that. There's another organization that do the tests, and we just pass the money on to them, and they give us a code so you can do it. But it's a great, helpful test. And many of you, hundreds of you, have already done this. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Encourage you to do it. If finance is the issue, let us know. We still want to find a way to make it happen for you. And then... Thirdly, join us for at least one of these Sunday evening events. We are gathering people in order of the five graces that those whose primary grace, for example, is apostolic, maybe apostolic remember their top grace or maybe their second grace in their life, that on Sunday the 30th of October, we invite those people to gather. And then on the 6th of November, those are the prophetic graces, their primary or secondary grace. Evangelistic grace on the 13th, Shepherding grace on the 20th and teaching grace on the 27th. These are all at 6.30 on Sunday evenings of those weeks. And I encourage you, do the test, 
know your graces, and then book yourself in for one of those events. They will be illuminating, they will be empowering, they will be helpful, and this is not going to finish the job. This is going to position us for, a, for the things ahead that God's going to do among us. But we really believe in these fivefold ministry graces. Next of what we do and why we extend the kingdom. By raising up and encouraging leaders who plant churches and develop missional communities. We believe that we have a mandate and a call to raise up leaders to plant 100 churches in the Southwest in 10 years. And we believe that by investing in people, that they will rise up to their call and their ministry. There are towns, cities, villages all over the Southwest that need the vibrant disciple-making churches to come alive in their communities. And we believe that God has invited us and asked us to steward that. I'm delighted in year one of our Church Planting Academy. You can find out more details by looking at churchplantingacademy.com that we had 20 students start that course. And from those 20 students, there are five churches that are either in consideration or development stage for the time ahead. Then this year, there are about 25 students involved on the course. And it's going to be fascinating. There are people from all over that are feeling called to the Southwest to plant churches. And it's been wonderful just to see that encouragement of spirit grow within them. We believe we're stewarding something. Now, those churches are going to be churches that reproduce churches because they're going to give away what they've had as well. They're going to pour it out. And so Newton Abbott, uh, it's not just going to be a church in Newton Abbott. Newton Abbott will plant other churches because yeah. uh, we're called to reproduce. Yeah. And we believe this is something the Lord's asked us to do. And then finally, we collaborate. We believe in the whole church. We don't believe Rediscover is the church in the Southwest. We believe we're called to be part of the church. And we love whatever, we got friendships right across the church spectrum, right from high Anglicans, right through to other Pentecostals and Baptists and free churches and vineyard and new wine and all sorts of churches that we connect with and we've got relationships with and we're part of and we want to learn from. And we want to sit at their feet and we want to learn the things that God is saying to them and hear their heart and grow. But also we've got something to bring to, the, to that relationship and we want to encourage them and bless them. And uh, we believe that by fostering good relationships and partnerships with other churches, we also extend as well opportunities for relational cover to churches and ministries who feel called to join with us. Increasingly, we find leaders from other churches beginning to call us and say, is there any way that we can have connections with you? And we're talking about ways that we can help support. And sometimes I do Zoom calls with leaders and just try to encourage them and speak life into them. There's a lot of churches really discouraged right now. A lot of churches facing tough times. And we want to be a voice that speaks hope into them. You know, I, I don't want us to be anything other than grieving when churches close. I want us to be people that say, what, what, what a missed opportunity. God, how can, we, how can we stop that happening? How can we help and encourage them? How can we bless them? And I, I want us to be a church that celebrates every time a new church plant starts. Amen. 
even on our doorstep. And, you know, a new church will start and some of you will go to the church plant. But, um, we, listen, we're not joining rival gangs. We're on the same team here. You know, this is for the kingdom. This is not about building a brand or a congregation. This is about releasing disciples. But I will say this. Don't just go as a consumer to another church because you like what you get there. Go because you're going to be better positioned to be a better disciple maker. Go to be fruitful. Not to be blessed. Go to be fruitful. And because sometimes we, there are plants on our patio that some thrive in shade and some thrive in sunshine. And, you know, sometimes there are different sorts of churches where different sorts of people come alive. And if you're not coming alive here, go somewhere where you will come alive. Did I just say that aloud? Yes, I did, because I believe it. Don't sit here and meander. Don't, don't let your leaves wither and die growing here or not growing here, find somewhere where you come alive. Yeah. Don't sit in your apathetic state. But don't move or leave or go on to something else because there's some offense in your heart or some issues that you need to resolve. Resolve them. Get them right. That, that could be why you're not growing. Might be nothing to do with the church. Might be everything to do with the heart that you're carrying. But get it resolved. Get it fixed. Get it, but make growing in your faith your priority and make growing as a disciple maker your priority. Students, it's wonderful to see you today. It really is. We, we've been praying for your arrival in the city. Those coming back second and third years, we've missed you over the summer. Those arriving as freshers, we're so glad you're here. And listen, we're not going to pitch anything to you about joining Rediscover. We want you to go the place that you're going to thrive the most this year. We want you to abundantly grow in this intense period of time in your lives. But... Don't just shop around for a church that's going to be a place where, oh, I like their music. So what? Oh, I, I like the services. They're five minutes shorter there. So what? Get hungry for the presence of God. And find a place that you thrive. We will do our utmost if you decide this is that place. We will do our utmost to help you grow and thrive. But you're going to have to play ball with us on that. You can't just attend and say, well, I'm not really growing. You have to get into relationship. You have to get into vision. You have to catch the culture of what God's saying and what God's doing. You have to get hungry for God. There's no easy ways around this. Fasting and prayer is a really important part of our walk with Jesus. If you've never fasted before, it's time to start. Now listen, it's very difficult to say that in today's culture because there's all sorts of issues of eating disorders and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and you need to seek out wisdom of other people. If there's any of that in your story, any of that in your heart, you need to get some wisdom around this. But I've got to say to you that all of the time I'm trying to follow Jesus, I'm trying to kill the flesh in my life. And to kill the flesh, I've got to step out and do things that the flesh wants to do that is a real challenge. Fasting is one of those. Praying, spending time seeking the face of God, going and being faithful in something, even when you don't feel like doing it. These are qualities that are kingdom qualities. They're kingdom calls upon our lives. And the Spirit of the Lord is looking for people who will say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to die to that stuff that's inside. I'm going to die to that selfishness that's in all of us. I'm not going to be a grabbing disciple. I'm going to be a passing on disciple. 
I'm going to take everything he's got and I'm going to chase after him. I'm going to run around after Jesus. Come on, complacency. No place in our life. Get rid of that complacency. Get rid of that sense of, it's okay, I can just drift on. My career is okay. My relationships are okay. My friendships are okay. My life is okay. My Bible reading is okay. And it's time to shake yourself about those okay things in your life and to rise up and say, God has got so much more. Most people don't experience the abundant life of Christ, not because it's not available, but because they're not prepared to pay the price for it. Because they're not prepared to step out of their complacency. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, yes, this is a new season, but it's going to take something. It's going to take a pursuit of my presence like never before. So I wonder who's in. I wonder who's ready to see the glory of God revealed in the self of God. I wonder who's prepared to live out those brave values, live courageously, love extravagantly, thrive authentically. I wonder who's prepared to believe that whenever we gather in groups large and small, that we encounter God, we expect Him to move. I wonder who's prepared to be not just an effective disciple, but a soul-winning disciple-maker in our lives. I look around this room, and I see you've all got everything that you need to make this happen. There's no one excluded. Everyone's invited. Let's stand together. As we draw our gathering towards a close, Wonder what the things of the Spirit of the Lord has been saying to you. Maybe there's one thing to grab a hold on to. Don't just be a hearer. Be an obeyer, doer. Make a decision. And if you want to reconsecrate your lives for everything God has for you, why don't you just stretch your hands to heaven like a surrendered soldier and say, Spirit of God, you got me. And one hand I lift is my acknowledgement that I need to hear you. And the other hand I lift is my acknowledgement I need to obey you. And I'm going to give my life and my time to imitate in Christ to imitating Jesus in my workplace, in my family, in my neighborhood. I am going to allow the life of Jesus to be so reflected in me because I hear and obey. But I'm also going to turn around and see those that you've placed around me that I can help. And we stretch out these hands to you and we Maybe reach out our hands to others and we say, Lord, use us to make disciples, we pray. Hallelujah. Just before we sing to conclude our gathering, I don't know everybody here, 
people who's watching online. But there may be those among you that have never experienced that life-transforming power of Jesus that Linda testified to, that those disciples encountered in the early church and that hundreds of people around you today have experienced at some point in their journey. And you can this morning. If you'd like to experience the forgiveness and the empowerment of God to follow Jesus, to know his transformative power at work in your life, then would you pray this simple prayer after me and say it quietly in your heart and mind. And the prayer goes like this. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. So much that you gave your life on the cross. These weren't just words, you demonstrated it. That while I was still an enemy of yours, you died for me. And I'm so sorry I've left you out of my life and I've messed up, done my own thing. Please forgive me. Wash me of all that mess in my life. And I pray that you will come and live your life through me. I pray that I will follow you with those footsteps of hearing your voice and obeying you, hearing and obeying. And I pray that I will know you living your life in and through me. Set me free. Deliver me. Heal me. Restore me to that which you purposed me to be. In Jesus' name. Just while everybody remains praying, if you prayed that prayer either for the first time or to come back to God, I'd love to know who you are so I can include you in a prayer. Would you just lift your hand? And when I've seen it, I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down again. Thank you, madam. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, madam. Anyone else? Thank you, madam. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? This is the moment now. This is... This is life-transformed stuff. This is about radical change in our lives. Just one last opportunity. If you've not lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer, now is your chance. Just lift it high and bold where you are. Father, I thank you for these precious men and women, young and old, that have responded this morning. And we pray that the same power which raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken them right now. And Lord, we pray they will encounter your presence. Lord, we pray they will encounter salvation. Lord, we pray there'll be transformation of the heart, transformation of the mind. There'll be deliverance from every strategy and device of the enemy that's been set against them. They will be delivered and free. Give them grace to walk this journey, to hear and obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, enough.